When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's good, Internet? It is August 28th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 92. It's going to be a quick one this week. I'm Austin Walker, joining me, Patrick Klepek. Hey, Patrick. You've been doing TV stuff, Mr. TV I've man. Doing, I've been doing TV stuff. Danielle's been doing TV stuff. I think she's in recovery from TV stuff. <laughs> she was doing it. The thing that happened today was like, so we had to come in really early to, to do it. To, like, we're just going to knock it out in the morning. No big deal. And then the morning moved into like late morning and then like early afternoon. And I was about to do my like second or third throw. So, so uh, what I'm doing is the beginning of, of TV shows that have uh, kind of hosts, what you'll see often is they'll say like, hey, welcome to Waypoint Presents. I'm Austin Walker. Today, we're going to look at the past and future of gaming. And to do that, we're going to go into blah, 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 blah. Here's the episode with details. Um, and uh, those are called host throws. And even though they only take like 30 seconds of your of the show, you want to do a bunch of takes because you don't know, you know, kind of what the vibe is. Does that make sense? Well, it's like what the vibe is going to be once it's edited. Like they're figuring yep. out the tone of like the arc of the series. Also, like maybe they'll suddenly find out actually we don't have 30 seconds. We have 28 seconds. We only have 20 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like or like so I think that what's happening a lot with this one was – we had uh, we have a couple of episodes where it's like, oh, well, is this going to be the second half of the episode is going to have like a six or seven minute little segment? Is that going to go on episode seven or episode eight? We don't know. And so you want to do different reads where you do like tonight. Uh, tonight we show you what it takes to put the finishing touches on two of the most surprising indie hits of the of last year. Versus like tonight we show you what it takes right. to put the finishing touches on two of the most surprising indie hits. Of last year, it's a lot of like changing like, enunciation of exactly. words and like the emphasis. Uh, like you just, do it, you just do it like a bunch of different times, and sometimes totally. like you know when they do ADR, they uh, ADR is like you know like a, when they shoot a movie, you know they yeah. uh, they go and record dialogue later that they like splice. And I used to do that at G four when um, I would do occasional things for X play where right. so you record things. Like on set, but then you'd have to go back into a voice studio to like record things because oh, actually it turns out like we need we need fifteen more seconds or we got to remove fifteen seconds, and so you'd have to like re- rephrase whatever you were doing or to tell them slice it down. And so if you've seen Waypoint Presents, which is on Disney XD at ten p.m. on Wednesdays now, uh, you know that our host throws happen at the beginning of the episode in like the vice lobby in like our office lobby which is like a big open area with a bunch of couches and chairs and stuff where people just work all day because it's a nice like it's kind of like a nice relaxed area but that also means like conversations just kick <laughs> up every now and then or Jesus and Mary will come through and they're just like like oh it's cool it's cool that they're there but like oh people want to talk to them real quick and people they're very respectful like they'll be like oh hey they're recording and we throw a peace sign real quick but other people are like oh you know Jesus what's good and it's like no mm, they're <laughs> recording or, or like just someone 
like slams a door or like starts to make a really loud, like the loudest iced coffee you've ever heard somehow. <laughs> um, so it's it's just one of those things where it's like it should only take twenty minutes, but it ends up taking hours. Yeah. So Danielle is is recovering from her longer host throws. Uh, the thing that happened was we got like two or three into mine and then realized like, oh, no, this next one is Danielle. Danielle needs to be the one who reads this one. And we thought we were done with Danielle. So we had to like tag back out and switch back around, which you hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's like, Danielle, come back. You can't, can't do the other work. That's very important. You have to come do this other work. Uh, so just going to be me and you today. And I think we're going to just keep it pretty focused on some Q&A on some some question bucket stuff, because it's been a little while since we've dug through the question bucket. But I just quickly want to see, like, you playing anything? What have you been up to this weekend? Well, one, because when people listen to media, they listen to more of it up front than the end. So I want to make yeah. sure we do the thing that oh, we've been very, very bad at for the last, like, two weeks. Is that we're, we're really bad. Yeah, we're going to be at PAX, me, you, yes. uh, uh, Danielle, Danica. Danica. Uh, Rob yep. is going to be at, uh, I think, a League of Legends thing in Boston. But the, the four yep. of us are going to be uh, out at PAX Prime for a couple of days and at uh, Saturday night at 6 p.m. in the... Uh, Sphinx Theater, I believe. I'm looking. Yeah, it's a Sphinx. I'm on your web. I'm on your web page here at Twitter.com/slash Patrick Klepek, six to seven p.m. Yes, that specific time. It's a Sphinx Theater. Uh, it says here the crew behind Waypoint make their PAX debut with a live version of their popular gaming podcast, Waypoint Radio. Awesome. That sounds good. It says we'll have special guests <laughs> and that we're going to learn about life, love, and anime, especially anime. I, That's good. We didn't know if we were going to go to PAX or even if we wanted to do a <laughs> panel, so I had to write the most generic version of a panel pitch. Actually, I love it. My my, uh, If you want to be <clears throat> amused uh, for an afternoon, um, uh, go search through the various – hopefully you can actually find – I don't know if they keep I hope these you can. the old schedules because – I uh, truly enjoy Jeff Gersman's panel write-ups that he has They're to very write good. Um, for, you know, Giant Bomb does one for PAX East and for, for PAX West pretty much uh, every year, um, and he just generically writes this podcast uh, summary, but he does an exceptionally good job of writing a generic po- uh, podcast summary, which I'm sure he's now at this point written, you know, 25 different uh-huh. times, and he could just copy and paste the same thing, but he doesn't. If there's an art to it. There is an art to yeah, it. Yeah, this one, this one's from, I think this is from 2020, 20, maybe this is this year's, I don't know. Giant Bomb is out of the game with a lengthy presentation covering the following topics. One, what's up? Two, <laughs> what's going on? Three, what's good? Join Giant Bomb for a thorough examination of these important issues and lend your voice to the proceedings via a lively, uncensored Q&A experience that will definitely, <laughs> quote, get people talking. Good. Great. Yep. Perfect. Very good. We did one once there that the the write up for it was definitely just like we're gonna figure out what E th- what our E three coverage yep. looks like. I remember that one. So it's good. It's fun times. I uh, see. So yeah, we'll be out there. We'll also just be out there doing some other stuff. Obviously, I'm, I'm gonna be doing the the Pax wrestling stuff. Yes. Defending I'll be, champion. I'll be in that too. Professor Killer. You already know what it is. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you're gonna be there. I didn't know you were gonna be part of the part of the old uh, the old Pax wrestling. Maybe that's I'll good. bring. A, I'll, maybe I'll bring another umbrella. You should bring an umbrella. You should definitely. We roll deep at Waypoint, so got to bring an umbrella in case we try to make it rain. You know, mm, that's true. Because otherwise, it's gonna be like a. It'll be like a hurricane. That's a bad time for the joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> Shout out to our listeners, real quick, in Houston and in, in the Houston area, in Texas, and anyone affected by Hurricane Harvey. I hope everyone's okay. I hope everyone's like doing all right. Uh, natural disasters fucking suck. Uh, Houston is a, a really cool town yeah. that I think gets gets 
underappreciated in America. Like, I think it just gets swallowed up in the vast, like, oh, it's in Texas, so it must be, like, everywhere in Texas. But lots of people live in Houston and lots of people who, who do really great things. So shout-outs to, to anybody affected by that hurricane. I hope you're, you and your families and friends are all doing all right. Um, all right, we should get to the most important thing. Mm. I, I, let's let's okay, talk to me about what, what you've been playing, and then we'll get to the most important email we've received because it's very important and we have to address. Uh, I well, I, I mostly spent more hours with uh, Mario and Rabbids. There's a write up on the site that is, you know, we don't really do reviews, but it's you know, ten hours with right. my with, uh, with with the game. It's actually more like fifteen at this point because uh, I wrote that on Friday. Um, and the, you know, the summary is what I said on Friday. I really like that game. I'm surprised at how well it works it's very thoughtful um and right. has a, a a decent amount of depth for um folks that are interested in those sorts of games i also think it's a great onboard for those types of games if you've never played one before i think they do a really good job of sort of breaking you into the concepts but then also giving advanced players a lot to work with as it goes along and specifically you know one thing i think i mentioned on friday was that i had i was beginning to get more challenged but i had run into a roadblock and then over the uh-huh. weekend in uh, World Two, uh, World uh, World Two uh, Level Eight, I ran into my first roadblock where I party wiped like four or five wow. times in a row. Did you try doing the easy mode? No, I did not. I did not okay. do easy mode. Um, uh, so the way the reason uh, it's interesting is because they uh, occasionally introduce sort of uh, op- uh, elements in the environment that you they're out of your control. So, uh, for example, in this one. Uh, there's a tornado, and the tornado randomly moves across the map and um, not only will, like, spring you into the air, but can also do a random chance to, like, freeze you in place, and then also if it springs you um, in the wrong direction, it can throw you off the board doing additional damage. Um, Wow. That doesn't kill you instantly the way it does enemies, though, right? No. Yeah, it doesn't kill you, it doesn't kill enemies instantly, but it does uh, do, like, an extraordinary amount of damage. Okay. And it it changes your positioning. Like, it moves you from whatever behind cover or everything like that. Um, Which just fucks you up completely because then everybody else has an open shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, And very cleverly, uh, it uh, it communicates. uh, So the the tornado moves every turn. Every uh, the, the player and the enemies get one turn, and the tornado moves. And it's communicated by a, a series of weather vanes that are in the just place oh, in the map. Cool. Um, and so the, you know where the tornado is going. And so right. uh, what's tricky about uh, this is not just the tornado, um, but that you the majority of the enemies that you're dealing with are these uh, these enemies that aggro. So they move very slowly. They can only move four spaces. Um, but if you fire on them they get an extra movement turn. So it's like you can shoot them, oh. but then they get so they can both move four spaces and then move the additional four spaces Jesus. from their normal turn. Well, the way that, the way ideally that you, you end up uh, dealing with them is that you put uh, two, two, uh, two members of your squad on different sides of the map and you just start drawing them like back and forth. So like you can right. use their aggro against them in order That's to kind cool. of like shove them into a position. But um, you can't ever really gra- like do that reliably on this map because uh, the tornado is constantly pushing you into a different position. And on top of that, right. there are two of these like really annoying support class enemies that uh, they introduce uh, into the the other these like big brutes aggro brutes you're dealing with, where they can throw grenades and uh, both uh, blow up the cover that's in front of you, uh, heal the enemies that you're trying to take out, um, and uh, uh, 
can uh, when they destroy the cover, it, they can also like have a chance to cause fire damage to you, which the fire oh damage God. then means that you scramble out of the way. Like you know, the, does the Mario character thing where they grab their butt and they're on fire, right, and then they, right. they move like three or four spaces. So you have all of these different elements playing in a very very tight contained space where um, like one of my more reliable. Uh, strategies is to, you know, like set my characters up and go into Overwatch, which is a reaction shot when an, an enemy moves, uh, your character will automatically take a shot. And I've upgraded both Mario and Luigi to have double Overwatch so they can take, they can do a regular shot and then two Overwatch shots, which like is usually a really mm-hmm. powerful combination, but it becomes useless because in a tight space, if they take those Overwatch shots, they're giving two movement spaces to the aggro enemy. To the, so that movement right, who enemy could can, now yeah. get really close <laughs> yeah, can and now move 12 fuck spaces. you up. And Ugh. when uh, you have enemies together, they're able to, like, clamp down and hit two of you at once and bounce you off. So it's... I, I had to completely... It was a lot of chance. I, I, I actually had to give up on having all three of them make it out alive. I made it out with two, and they mm. both had one hit left from any enemy that would have taken Jesus. them out. And then also, yeah. specifically in that map... Um, there, there aren't just enemies you're clearing off, and then the board is uh, emptier. It's, it is constantly filling it up with new enemies. Your only goal is to defeat six of them, but, it, oh, but you can't, you can't just like corner a couple of them, take them out, and then work your way through. It's like the moment if you're not being aggressive and clearing them all off the map as soon as possible, two more are going to sprout up, and you don't know where they're right. going to. Sp- yeah, so it's fascinating and difficult that seems, and i was ha- that the final state the final level in world two or something no or there's, ten, it, there's ten there's ten uh, ten areas per uh per world and so i'm about to but again you could have boss. gone into easy mode yep. which would have healed your your crew up and then you would have been able to maybe roll forward do some more more levels that maybe wouldn't be so challenging as they wouldn't have like as difficult gimmicks and then level up some and come back or unlock better weapons or, or like level up is maybe not the right word because you don't I guess, yeah. yeah there, there's a skill tree. There's a skill tree that can give you extra health there's and stuff a, yeah, like that. Yeah, there's a skill tree, um, and, and, and there's abilities. weapons that have like you know like better chances. Like some of the weapons will like have a thirty percent chance against like mid bosses, which are like a right, specific boss right, type right, right. prior to get to the final boss. So uh, yeah, you can do easy mode, but I guess the like the part of what I was worried about was if the missions were going to get like really kind of like turn the knife on you, <laughs> and that right. mission and boy. really turn the knife in a way that I felt. Which satisfying, like, even as much as I like getting the perfects, like you were getting the perfects, there's mm-hmm. also, uh, you really desire, like, just getting out by the skin of your teeth. And I felt right. like I just got out of the skin of my teeth. And so getting getting out where the game says, hey, you just did good, I was like, actually, asshole, I think I did pretty good. <laughs> uh, and, but you feel, hey, fuck you. the fact that I like, did, yeah, the fact that I did yeah. get the perfect what, doesn't make me feel any less accomplished cool. for, for getting That's- through it. That's like when Fire Emblem is at its best. That's how I feel. Where it's like all of my dudes are basically dead, but none of them actually died. Yep. Like I, I stumbled my way through this thing, but I got through it. And and fuck off, you know, whoever, whatever evil wizard guy I was fighting. Like the fuck out of here. I uh, I, I played some more of the uh, XCOM War of the Chosen over the weekend, and I'm still fairly early on. Like I've only just passed where they started to introduce some of the the newest stuff in this expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it's really fucking cool, and it's producing a similar effect for me of the like getting getting through by the skin of your teeth. Um, even though it's also ramping up the kind of abilities that you have. And partially it's doing it because there are more missions that are actually do the thing that Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle does of making you carry over your characters at their current health level from encounter to encounter. Um, 
Yeah, dude. So, so they so, do do that uh, in, in Mario. Yeah, they do that in Mario yeah. Rabbids, where it's like to explain how it works for folks is like right. the individual, like the one, 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 two, like the chapters within uh, a world, like those are often linked by multiple encounters. So it's like there'll be right. two or three battles you need to survive, and then everyone will get their health back. Um, often there's a mushroom hidden halfway <laughs> in that like will give you maybe a third of your health back. And right. Mario is always the leader, so he is always in your team, so his health is always pretty important because you can't get rid of him but then once you start to acquire other party members it's like all right luigi's only got 10 health i didn't find a health Mm -hmm. pack i can bring in rabid luigi and hopefully which is a cool way of making you mix it up which is really neat uh so in this the one of the first examples of that in war of the chosen uh there's a lot of new stuff in war of the chosen i know we talked about it briefly before and and you'd mentioned like it almost feels like xcom 3 yeah my my theory was that they we're never going to get an xcom 3 and that they put a lot of their ideas for xcom 3 into this War of the Chosen. And maybe I'll be my wrong, hope, but it's just... My hope is that this does so well that they're able to more fully develop some of these ideas because mm-hmm. some of them are fantastic. Um, so the the they actually the other thing is, like, they just have a mission early on that's like, oh, here's all that cool new shit all at once. Um, so the, the first kind of new thing, big thing, is that there are uh, uh, new factions in the game that all... that There's, like, three resistance factions that have special soldier types that have different abilities. So, like, there's the Reapers, who I think eat aliens. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason people don't like them, is they eat aliens. <laughs> um, it's like, yo, that's kind of fucked up. But they're really good at stealth. They can go back... So, I don't even remember if you played much XCOM 2, Patrick. Oh, but, yeah, I beat it. Uh, Okay, so unlike XCOM 1, for people who don't know, the game in XCOM 2, you're kind of insurgents. You're kind of an insurgent human population trying to fight back against this evil alien empire that's taken over Earth. And uh, every mission, basically every mission starts with you in uh, kind of in stealth, like in in cover, setting up an ambush. Uh, The Reapers can, not only do they start in cover or in, I forget what their phrase is for stealth, but like, or their their term, Um, but when they're in stealth, they're way faster and they get an ability to go back into stealth after breaking stealth and they also get all sorts of abilities around like setting traps that won't pull them out of stealth so they can like basically set mines and stuff and then have anybody else on the team shoot the mine to activate it Hmm. uh, which is really cool and then the other faction that's in this early mission is like uh, uh, people who used to be part of Advent, the evil alien, like, ground troops, basically. Like, they're not high-ranking guys. They're just, like, grunts who have gotten their free will back. And they're, like, half-human, half-alien hybrids who are, like, incredible melee fighters and have grappling hooks and can kind of swing all over the place and do, like, the scorpion get over here to bring somebody in for a melee hit. Uh, and, like, they're just, like, badass frontline soldiers, basically. Right. And you're trying to, like, make them meet up. Those two factions meet up and kind of squash the beef so we can ally and fight against the big bads. But it's happening in one of the cities from the first XCOM game that has been fully overrun and corrupted by, like, this weird alien radiation and has converted a lot of the human pop, most all, I mean, all of the human population into zombies, basically, called the Lost, who have very little HP but arrive in huge swarms, arrive whenever you use grenades in a, like a new hive a swarm will appear, um, and will overwhelm you with melee attacks and swarm you. But if you kill one, you get an action back, and that means you can then Ooh. shoot another one. So you're chaining together these headshots, basically, one after the other uh, after the other. But if you have to reload, that's the end of your turn. So you, it ends up being this really interesting resource management thing where you're, like, fleeing from this huge swarm of zombies, like, trying to stay behind cover. They know where you are, and it's just about managing that stuff. That seems so that's like a, that would get wild, because there is a, there's, wi- there's a skill that does auto-reload, 
which would yes. then allow you to sort of like really do some crazy amount totally. of, of chaining if you if you invested in that if you uh, do exactly right yeah and the other thing is they're a third faction the aliens are also enemies to them so that just ends up being this really cool three-way fight at points but the final thing that they introduce in this in this opening thing is the chosen it's called war of the chosen because there are these three special enemies that are like orcs from shadow of mordor so like uh, the, I, I, the first one i fought was called the assassin uh, and each one is kind of tied to one of the three new resistance factions she's tied to the the kind of alien advent people called t- not templars but like enforcers or some something i forget the name of them um and they one there's like they have a, a procedure generated name hers hers is darmai deseric which is just a good that's a well, good <laughs> she's she's a wraith demon and then they have strengths and weaknesses just like the orcs did in shadow of mordor so like she's brutal which means the her attacks decrease the will of any soldier in sight so when she like pops out of invisibility and stabs one of your dudes with her sword all of the other dudes who see her all of your other troops lose will making them more susceptible to psychic attack from other aliens uh and then she this is the one that fucked me up and, and this should sound familiar she has shadow step in which she doesn't trigger overwatch or reaction fire Ooh. so it's just like fuck like she's she's of the alien chosen she's the one who is probably the physically weakest or whatever right, right. she's like an assassin character but i can't just i can't just hole up and go into overwatch mode she'll kill me but she also has weaknesses one is that she takes extra damage from reapers which is one of the class the things that i got which is useful and then two is she takes increased damage from close range attacks so i was able to fight her and the whole thing that happened here was like the guy who is the grappling hook who's half alien or whatever he got injured down to one hp in the first <laughs> of this like three-step phase uh-huh. and so the entirety of this final big boss fight against her was just like all right i can't let him be out in the open if he's out in the open he's fucked so it was just like very much very careful management with him between her uh the other alien troops and the lost who were like swarming him by the end of it that was just like Every miss was like a blessing from God. Just like, oh, oh, he missed. They missed him. Thank fucking Christ. Like I put him (laughs) in the worst position. Um, And that that was really cool. And it was just one of those moments of like, it was cool to see them lean further into the story stuff. It's not what I ever expected I wanted from XCOM. Right. was like more dialogue or like, I don't know if you saw this in in the the Polygon has like a, a... temper not a temper a review in progress for uh for this game okay. and i didn't even notice this until i read this this review but like there are like four people from star trek the next generation in this game okay so like which is which is weird uh like those two people are uh, deanna troy you're, you're like reaper is deanna troy and the alien dude who's like a warrior is just wharf it's just those two <laughs> actresses or actors and actresses and it's just like all right fucking cool i'm here for it i'm here for them leaning into storytelling i'm here for them doing more cutscenes. um there's a bunch of other cool stuff and i've been really enjoying it i'm, I'm gonna try to keep putting some time into it as, as like my nighttime game that, that bums me out because i want to play that a lot because all that stuff that you're talking about sounds it's really re- dude it's really cool I think it's I, really cool i think you saw in xcom 2 them trying to do some more stuff with the story mm-hmm. but it didn't really work and like right. i thought i thought in my head maybe i'm just i'm just i'm just not here for that and that maybe actually right. what it was right. was they just weren't doing it well i think uh, they just weren't doing i mean there's it, it's very it's very weighty up front. Like, I, I definitely was like, I just want to get into it. You know what I mean? I'm going through all these cutscenes of how they rescue the main character, the, the commander character, and, like, just let me fucking play this tactics game. Like, I'm just here for the tactics. But 
the fact that so so to be clear when you beat the chosen at the end she just leaves she retreats and it's the same one who will harass you for the rest of the game mm. until you like do the mission to finally take her out and the same with the other two chosen and so like between that and then the other new thing is bonds they added fire emblem style like th these two characters have high compatibility and when they work together they get special abilities oh that's good like it's really good it's and like you can spend points in the middle of combat to like I, there's a bunch of different stuff that bonds do but like uh I, I think one of the early ones is something about like share like being able to to share your total turns or something like that oh, wow. uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff like between those two characters um there's like just cool stuff around those are all systems that like you said are things that uh feel like would be part of a whole new like game and it's cool to see them here at least even if that, um, even if that stuff doesn't end up in an XCOM 3 cuz i think there's just maybe a little XCOM fatigue i totally. i wonder if maybe what it is is like because I, I can't imagine they're not going to make another turn-based strategy game, but I'd right. love I'd love for them to take a lot of these ideas. Like I would like a Western Fire Emblem, basically. Me too. Right? Like yep. I, I think that would be really neat to see them lean in to a lot of the stuff that Nintendo's seen a lot of success with, but like taken out of like right. Fire Emblem's fantasy because like they don't seem to be interested in making another Advance Wars. So I'd love to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, I would love to I see wish that they team would do that do too, though. Frankly, yeah, I sure. Would love uh, uh, what can you do? Um, all right, so we should. It's time for the okay. question bucket. It's time to dig in. I'm gonna pick up with the first. Uh, I think we got across social media. We got it in our, our question bucket. Uh -huh. I think I saw someone give me a strange look on the street the other day that probably was about <laughs> mm. this. This one comes in from Alex, yes. who says, "Hey, Waypoint Radio. Hello. I usually love your podcast uh -oh. and insight you bring, but I had a problem with the way you treated Taylor Swift's new <laughs> single." You're usually very mindful of other opinions, and you all often say things like, this isn't for me. In the case of Taylor Swift, however, you made a number of mentions about how awful her, awful her new song is. Taylor Swift is my favorite artist and has been for over a decade, mm -hmm. and it was pretty awful hearing my favorite podcast talk about how terrible my taste in music <laughs> is and how my favorite artist simply isn't good. Her music isn't for everyone, and I understand that none of you like her new single, but I would respectfully like to ask you all to just be more mindful when you make blanket statements. I'm sure that every time you make blanket statements, there's at least one listener like myself who wishes you hadn't. You're all awesome, but listening to your, your podcast after I'd listen, literally listened to the single 10 times that morning was pretty demoralizing experience. Thanks for your time, Alex. Look what we made him do. I... Uh-huh. <laughs> uh What's up? Uh, I think, uh, real talk, I think that you, Patrick, were very clear that you love pop That's, music. That was like part of like, my upfront thing. I was like, look... This is not a Taylor Swift bandwagon bash session. Right. I like name checked that I, you know, not people that joined on the 1989 bandwagon are not going to be able to name check Red as an album right. that they enjoyed, and like I, right. I enjoyed that. So I think, I think this, unfortunately, this fan needs to separate the fact that I think a little what's happening here, which happens a lot. Like I actually have experienced mm -hmm. this a couple of times in other mediums other than video games. When you listen to a podcast in which you, by and large. I find that your opinions are like let's say ninety five percent consistent, yep. with like a little bit of variation, and then you're excited for them to talk about something that means a lot to you, and their opinions do not line up with what you thought they would be because that tends to be a uh, what lines up with what how will you believe? Like that is that sucks. Like I've yep. The, I remember uh, what was it? Uh, man, I can't remember the movie. But I was listening to a podcast a, a year or two ago, and they don't normally talk. 
uh, about like horror films because it's just mm. not their vibe. But like there was a, uh, a movie that had come out that it kind of like like strat like kind of like Get Out that was like manages to uh, uh, like like escape its genre a little bit right, to be like good right. enough like that it's appreciable to an audience that is a little bit larger. And so I was so excited for them to talk about it because it's like all oh, these. These podcasters never talk about like this 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 one thing I'm very interested in, and they're gonna talk about this one. So it seems like the only reason they'd want to talk about it was because like oh it was like transcendent for them too, and it's gonna be interesting. And instead they just shit on it and like ripped yeah. it apart. And I was like, you guys don't. I felt myself doing the you don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I was doing it in my head because <laughs> I felt insulted that they didn't like the thing that I liked a lot and I wanted them to validate my opinion on it. But sometimes what you need to do, it's, I, I understand that impulse, but also like, that's not really fair. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, well, I don't, and, think, I don't I, think we blanket stated fans. No. Uh, ability to appreciate Taylor Swift's new song. We were just saying we all thought it was bad. I think it's bad. Like I, I this is yeah. the other thing is like, I want to, I want to be clear that there is a, there needs to be a space for, in which critics can say that a thing is bad. Like I, I do my best to that, that, and that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to like it. Like that yeah. is the thing that is complete. Like I like a lot of anime. I also think <laughs> a lot of anime is bad. I think there's lots of things that I like, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn on this, right? Because I think that there is, um, I think there is value in liking a thing that other people think is bad and being able to say like, oh, actually, here's why I think this is good. Like right. here's, let me, let me actually not just called a guilty pleasure let me not just say that it's like oh it's it's like it's like a private shame of mine that i really like xyz instead let me say like i like this thing in spite of the, these factors or i actually just don't agree with you that these things are that these elements of it are bad right but i also need to as a critic occasionally be able to put my foot down and say like no i think that this is a poorly made thing like i think that the that you know the the the, the pre-chorus is so much better than the chorus in that song and the chorus drives it completely off track like i think that it completely ruins whatever like whatever flow that song has as a pop track. Um, and like, that isn't a, a thing that I, that's not a blanket statement. That's not like Taylor Swift could never make good music. It's not people who like Taylor Swift are wrong. It's not, you're wrong for this thing sounding good to you. It's me saying like, as someone with a platform, I think she can do better. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just a thing that I can say. And like, it's, it's, it's part of what makes it, useful to do criticism is being able to bring out that gun when you think something really is capital B bad. Like, well, and otherwise... And, and at some point, you need to establish sort of lines of, like, what is what actually is your taste, right? Like, you can't... Right, you right. can't if you totally. couch everything in, like, uh, it's not for me, thus... Right. Uh, it, it may be good, and I just don't understand it. Like, that is often and, and a lot of times true, and it's good to keep an open yep. mind. It's, totally. you know, it's how I have flipped on games like Splunky and Dark Souls, and I've talked about that a number of times over the years. But, like, there are still, it's still okay to say, I think this thing is bad for X, Y, Z reasons. And that's fine for, as you said, like, the flip of that. But as a as a critic, like, not only just as a, in a professional capacity for, for what you and I and everyone else at Waypoint does, but even as a... A fan, even as just someone, you know, fans have opinions too, and it's mm -hmm. okay to like draw a line in the sand and be like, "I believe X, and that's okay," yep. because other people can believe Y for for their reasons. But if Dragon's Dogma is a good game, here's the other, this is the other thing is that like it goes <laughs> the other way, which is a lot of people disagree with the things we think are good, but yeah. I'm not going to back down from saying that it's good when I like something that that I think is like does something really well, does something really admirable. I'm not going to back away from that and instead say, well, for people, for fans of the genre, like, fuck yes, that. Like, yes. there's not, that's not useful that just, that criticism. That just means that you don't like it. So just say you don't like it. 
Right, or that you like it because you like the genre. Like, I, it's 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 that's like surface level criticism that that can be useful for like quick purchasing decisions. But no one was like basing whether or not they were going to go buy the new Taylor Swift single on our like up or down on this. Right, like go listen to it for yourself if you like it. You like it, that's cool. I think it's bad, and I'm 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 you know I, I do my best not to say like this person makes bad things. I, I, but I'm not going to back away from saying like this thing is bad. I uh, um, I actually think uh, our uh, first installment of Waypoint. 101 in which we played binary domain a game that you and i uh liked quite a bit and continued to like when we sort of played played through it and rob mostly started playing and and asking (laughs) like why did you make me do this um Uh and he found things to to, that he thought were interesting about the game but it was an exercise in where like austin and i were on one side of the room and rob was very much on the other side of the room wondering what the hell we were thinking and a lot of our conversations were centered around in some ways like trying to convince Rob or at least ex- ha- being forced to articulate yes. whereas like Austin and I can have a shorthand about like why we think Dragon's Dogma or Binary Domain is good but then when you're confronted to talk to someone that doesn't think that thing is good you're then forced to articulate why you actually think that thing is good in a way that you just don't do when you're talking in sort of a more collectivist atmosphere in which you're all on the same right. page and I've also just gotten it's also helped me carry that forward in general, right? Like being able to better articulate why I think games like Dragon's Dogma or Far Cry, you know, two are, are good. Why I think that they're good informed how I would eventually write about Breath of the Wild. Like I wouldn't have been able to write about Breath of the Wild in the way I was able to unless I'd already worked through why I liked the elements of that game that I'd seen in other kind of open world action RPGs. And like being able to do that has a, a lasting effect in the long run. It also just helps you eventually narrow down what you like and don't like as a fan of things, right? Like being able for me to be able to look at a new anime that's coming out, right? Like when, when a new Gundam series is announced, I'm not just all aboard because it has the word Gundam on top, right? Like I actually am, because I've p- watched all of these different shows, I can say, okay, what subcategory of Gundam show does this <laughs> fall into? Is it going to be this kind of big thing where there's like super robots who are stronger than every other, you know, mech on the field, the way Gundam wing, or, or double O war, or is it going to be this thing that's a little more restrained, a little bit more of a traditional war story, the way Iron Blooded Orphans or or Gundam with MS team are? Obviously, you're you're with me on this, Patrick. I know, hundred uh, percent. So so yeah, that's the it, it helps you figure out your own taste in a good way. If you can stop and say this is why I think the new Taylor Swift track is good beyond just I like it, then that's going to help you better understand your own taste. And frankly, like, it just brings me way more joy to, like, sit down and listen to... So, like, when, when To Pimp a Butterfly came out, my initial reaction was, like, ah, I think I like this past Kendrick Lamar album way better. And then I sat down and tried to, like, work through why that was, and I ended up gaining an appreciation for all of his albums in a way I hadn't had before because I spent the time trying to work through what my gut reaction was. Um... Maybe I could do that with the new Taylor Swift song. Like maybe I could sit down and be like, this is why I think it's bad. And, and we'll see what's on the other side. Right. I think I just get more strange looks on the street. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Um, all right, next question. This one comes in from Daniel, who says, Hi, Vice Media LLC. Mm. I emailed you a few months back, and I'm hoping now is a good time to test our widget below your content <laughs> or our 300 by 250 unit above the fold on your website. We are currently seeing very high CPM rates for websites similar to yours, and I believe we will outperform your current monetization methods. You can visit this page. I should click this, right, where it says visit. I should definitely click. Is that going to give you a virus? It might. It. I'm going to just hit close on this one. I'm going to do a new email, a different one. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this one comes in uh, from Ken, who says, Waypoint Radio has been around for a while, so an important question arises. Has fan art been made? Austin is a professor. Patrick is a member of the of the Newsboy Legion. Rob is Lord Nobunaga. Daniel as not Danielle is not Taylor Swift. Uh, well, there's been some fan art. I don't think that specific collection, but... Um, no, but yeah, got some very good stuff from the uh, the uh, Breakfast and Battlegrounds stream. Fantastic Breakfast and Battlegrounds fan art. You should go check that stuff out. Uh, we also got a really good Us as Kingdom Hearts character oh, recently. Yeah, after the because Disney of the thing Disney show. Yeah. Oh my. Super, super, mm. super good. Mm. Um, here's a good question. This one comes in from Brian, who says uh, Brian from Dallas Fort Worth, who says. I'd like to ask you about what makes a classic. Today, a lot of games are coming out which try to recreate the success of old classics. Some fail, such as Ukulele. Some succeed, like Sonic Mania. I don't think it's as simple as recreating exact mechanics faithfully. See the physics of the successful Donkey Kong Country Returns, which have way more momentum than the original games. I think the key is remembering why classic games were classic in the first place. Because in their time, they were fresh, innovative, and bold. Too many games simply regress 20 years and think that's good enough. It's not. You have to be impressive on top of that, or you're missing the point of why they were classics. Do you agree that reviving classics requires more than regressing 20 years and changing a few random things? Do you think if a game did perfectly recreate the mechanics of an old game, which attempts like Ukulele did, did not in addition to not trying to impress, uh, it could be it could do so without being innovative? Brian uh, from Dallas-Fort Worth. I, I, most of these, like, cl- classic in this sense, this sort of, like, building block foundational game that other games try to relate to or try to improve on i actually have a hard time reaching back to those games and thinking like this is why they were foundational in the way that they were Mm -hmm. because i often don't have a close relationship with those games despite having played them and loved them at the time like i'm not a person who goes back and replay like dan reichert replays ocarina not ocarina of time uh, uh link to the past every year and i don't think i have a single game i do that with Except for like Streets of Rage two, because I can do that in a night. <laughs> it's like that's like a I have a friend over and we have some beers. Let's play yeah. through Streets of Rage two. But that's not the same thing, no. you know. So I actually I'm actually not sure that I'm super good at being like this is why this defines a classic for me. Yeah, I don't I don't do I didn't do that even when I had the time to do that and and I that's just not how I have viewed games and but I think like mm-hmm. to the to the idea of like what they were talking about about how you sort of create a modern version of sort of like these classic games and how you like Donkey Kong Country is a great example of that in which Retro, you know, made something very much in the spirit of Donkey Kong Country, but obviously added some different nuances. Like I think Breath of the Wild is essentially takes in your head what it was like to play the original Zelda. um, But it's clearly not what, if you were to go back, you'd be like, Oh no. I mean, that that game was not systemic. (laughs) That game did not Uh um, have uh, a lot of the interlocking uh, things that are going on in Zelda 1. But I think if you were to describe the experience of playing Zelda 1 as a kid, Breath of the Wild realizes that in a modern context without pandering to nostalgia in a way that is just sheer pandering. It's actually taking the spirit of 
what made that game special and recontextualizing it while sort while also paying tribute to to the game the to that game. stuff yeah i definitely think that's true especially when you start thinking about like you know it, we don't think of it as being a systemic game the original legend of zelda but think maybe compared to something like a text adventure right where there is a solution to a puzzle versus getting the raft in The Legend of Zelda, the original one, which is still used in that same adventure gamey way of like, I'm going to use the raft at this key place to cross the bridge or across the river, but it feels systemic because it's an item I'm using and I could try to use it anywhere or like using a bomb to blow a hole in the wall, right? Like I could try to blow a hole into any wall. It's just only going to work <laughs> in these key places. And that felt at the time more systemic because it was just an inventory filled with items that were just as just like the sword that I could use whenever I wanted to, whether or not they were successful or not. Uh, whereas now, like the, the context has changed, like you said. And so we want a little bit more clarity around that stuff. And we, we think that like systemic interaction should look more like this than what it did, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, I think that, that that sort of thing of like maybe for me one of the things that sets a classic apart from other games um, I, I just realized I had a very similar conversation about masterpieces as part of a recent Giant Bomb video I guessed it on uh, but th I think a masterpiece is a different thing than a classic and I think a classic specifically really does contribute to the canon and to like what we think of as like a set of standards, like the same way that in classic, we think about a classic film, it's like, Oh, we, these are representative of the best of their era. Like when you think about like 1970s classic films, it's like, Oh, this is, this is what's worth remembering from the 1970s. You know, this is what's worth remembering from the 1950s. When you talk about a movie like Casablanca, like, it's not like every movie of that era was a Casablanca. It's like, oh, this gets to represent the best of what filmmaking is like of the 1950s, right? Um, and I think you know, maybe what, games... is, a, is a masterpiece just like an individual work that stands. I think like, so. Outside, I, of I, that? I, outside of that, for me, a masterpiece. Like when I think about masterpiece games, I don't necessarily think of them as being represent. I don't know. I think they I, do I think, guide. I think, I think, a, I think a masterpiece can and a classic can also be the same thing, right? Like I would think totally. Yes, I would yes, look yes, at some uh, yes. original Dark Souls. I think is both a classic and a masterpiece probably right. right like it informs like a certain era of design and was deeply influential but i think on its own is sort of like a masterwork of in and of right. itself but i think that there are probably outsider there's like outsider art or independent art that is a masterpiece but probably doesn't obtain quote unquote classic status okay like classic yeah. status really suggests that it's about kind of mainstream work right mm -hmm. it's like it defines what mainstream sure, sure, quality sure, sure. looks like whereas i can think of like into i can think of like games like um uh the stuff that like the arcane kids make or stuff like um uh uh brendan chung's work stuff mm -hmm. like that where it's like i think those games are ma i think that like 30 fights of loving is a masterpiece yeah i'm with you on that i don't know that it's what people i don't think that society thinks of it as a classic which is a fucking problem with society not a problem with that game do you well, know what i mean this, but like, like the, the this is like the equivalent of uh, uh, like everyone falling in love with bands like Weezer and not ever realizing the Pixies existed. Where it's like, right? Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. But which, which, but that even changes over time, right? Like, right, sure. Ten years from now, we might be in a different place where that that is, or like I think now the Pixies are at this point a classic because they've kind of found their way into that specific, like enough people's minds, you know, where people can make that reference. But at the time, no one fucking knew, yeah. you know, like that's yeah. just, a, that's, and that's how it works. So I think that's a good, that's a good distinction. You have uh, time for like one more, yeah. Patrick? All right, cool. Uh, let's grab this one. 
right here. Uh, this one comes in from Alice, who says, Hey, Waypoint, with PAX coming up next weekend, I'm revisiting a question that gets harder every year. I used to love going to PAX, with both East and West being the highlights of my year. Then in 2013, one of the Penny Arcade creators said some stuff that I found incredibly offensive mm. as a trans woman. At the time, I felt like most of my friends and the discourse were on my side. But now, four years later, it seems like everyone, including friends, are just going to PAX again and have moved on. But I haven't. Am I, still, am I wrong to still hold a beef? I know that PAX is more about the community than about the Penny Arcade creators, but I also know that, that I cannot willingly attend so long as the con, the con is run by and overseen by those guys. I do not judge anyone who goes now, but I just feel left behind. Any advice for dealing with a situation like this? Love the show and wish Danica was on every episode. Shout out to Danica, <laughs> who should be on more episodes. Uh, if she had more time, I promise she would be. Uh, I, th- I think that's a completely reasonable position. Yeah. But I also understand. I, I think there are a lot of people, uh, myself included, where there were very serious conversations about should we cancel the panel that you know right. we, we had planned? Should we uh, do that panel because we've already announced it but not do ones in the future? Do you do the panel and then make a statement as a part of it? Um, right. And I think a lot of people had a lot of, Ultimately, like I remember the conversations we were having at Giant Bomb, like when all that stuff was happening, and we were trying to think through how you handle that. Was does canceling and pulling out make a bigger statement than what you're taking away from the fans who have had nothing to do with any of those statements lose by having you not go to that? Um, Right. And I think that's you know I think probably. Uh, somewhat selfishly, that's what a lot of people, that's the side a lot of people fell on. I think there were some people mm-hmm. that did like sort of one year protests. Um, but right. then uh, I think specifically when it got sold, that like for a lot of people felt like when Reed Pop took it over and while the drag, while yes. the, <laughs> I have a Dragon Ball so Z, Dragons, I have, I have a Dragon Ball Z press release <laughs> in front of me. Yeah, that one just came in. I was like, ooh, what's going on with the Dragon Ball Z press release? <laughs> when, when, dra- when Dragon Ball Z took over PAX. When Goku took over PAX. <laughs> when uh, Frieza took over PAX. Ooh, it was rough. When, when Penny Arcade became just sort of like figureheads, but were no longer financially benefiting. I mean, I guess we don't know what the, the breakdown of that is. But, I have no idea. Um, right. But I think for some people that felt like that was a conscience clearer in terms of returning right. to that show um i yes, know a lot that's of people what that, I definitely what i was going to say that i heard that so many times yeah whether or not that is actually true that was a justification used by a lot of people to feel mm-hmm. okay about uh, going back if they had skipped it or attended it but then were publicly bashing it um and i think now we've just gotten enough distance from that and those two while uh and specifically the one you know penny arcade figure responsible for those comments like it just you don't see them as associated with so i think a lot of people just have kind of accepted that it's an okay thing uh, to be a part of yeah, or, so, it's or it's just weird. part of the, part, the cost of doing business is that the amount of good things that PAX does do for communities and for the ability to connect with fans and the inability for a spinoff convention to like spontaneous appear to take its uh, place like the amount of gravity that would have to be extracted in order for that uh-huh. to occur didn't occur and if there was a moment for it to occur it was at that moment and it didn't happen um uh, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't blame them for saying fuck it and judging people a I don't bit be for there. going because I, I consider. I mean, they even say Alice even says here that she doesn't judge anybody else for going. I judge like, myself. I, I consider myself to be a my like a, a an outright hypocrite for like being the kind of person that would wag their finger and say you shouldn't go to that. But I've gone to PAX four years. So I'm going this right. weekend, but. 
I, I think what's important is to recognize your own hypocrisy. That doesn't necessarily excuse you of it, but at it least I've, no. I've, I've walked through and I, I'm willing to admit my own hypocrisy and participation in something that I am, that I should be. It sucks though. Like it is definitely a thing that's hard for me to, to find peace with, with myself. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've only gone for the last couple of years, right? Like I didn't go for years. I, I never went. I didn't have the experience of like, Oh, I'm going and having a good time. And now they fucked up. Like, I definitely have always only had the, like, I don't want to go to this thing. Uh, I, I was actually, like, very much the sort of person who was like, I'm not even interested in going to a PAX. And then I ended up going and had, had like, a really good time and met a bunch of fans and was able to meet other people in the industry and hang out and, and all that stuff because of work. Because, like, when I went to Giant Bomb, I wasn't going to be in a position where I was going to be like, thanks for bringing me on, guys. Uh, fuck PAX. I'm not going. I'm not going to go meet fans. I'm, like especially my first year where like meeting fans and trying to win people over who had <laughs> never known who I was yep. before yep, yep, was yep. such a priority for me in terms of my professional career. And even just like for my self-esteem, right? Like it sucks to be new at a place and to be at a place that's so fan driven. Mm-hmm. And like, if I had not gone, that would have been a lot of people whose hands I couldn't have shaken. Mm-hmm. Who's like, who wouldn't have seen my commitment to being part of that crew. The fact that I put all of that above the shitty stuff that those dudes have said and done in the past Mm -hmm. is like gets at me in a way that even saying that it gets at me feels shitty. Like it's, it, it, it's really hard and it's only gotten fucking weirder for me in the last couple of years. Like I don't think this is a thing I've talked about publicly before, but uh, I've done two tabletop role-playing game streams with Jerry from Penny Arcade. Oh, really? Yeah, so, like, the first time, I had no idea I was going to do it. I'd signed up to do a thing with Adam Koble and some other folks who I knew. Uh, we were going to do a stream of um, this game. I, I talked about the game, actually, on an early episode of Waypoint Radio. Uh, it was a game called... Um, uh, phew, what the fuck is it called? It's a, it's a... Man, I can't believe I forget the name, name of this uh, tabletop role-playing game. Um, it's something dogs. It's, like, a very... It's, like, a classic dog... Oh my god! I, this is gonna kill me, and people are gonna we'll yell at me. We'll just keep going, me. and then anyway, dogs in the vineyard. I got it. Dogs in the vineyard. Uh, we talked about it in an early episode of Waypoint Radio, and I didn't know Jerry was gonna be part of it until the announcement went up on Twitter. Oh man! I, I, the setup for me was like someone was like, "Oh, do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." And he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna send through an email later with the information about who all is gonna be in the show and you know when it's all gonna happen." And that second email never came. And the, so the thing that happened was like I opened Twitter one day and it was like, "Oh, Austin Walker, Jerry Holkins, a couple of." other people are all going to be part of the stream and it was like all right cool huh i could drop out of this i could back out but that seems like shitty to the person who i agreed to who wasn't in charge of promotion you know what i mean like i right. agreed to one person and a different person was in charge of promotion and like dropped the ball and letting me know and so i ended up saying like, fuck it i'll do it like i'm not gonna go out of my way to promote it because I still have some really, even though Jerry isn't the person who said the most offensive mm-hmm. shit years ago, I still have always felt like really fucked up over it. Like uh, I grew up loving that dude's work. Like I grew up wishing I was Jerry Holkins in terms of my writing style, in terms of like my my verbosity, in terms of my reading interest. And so when they fucked up, like it really it it hurt me in a way that like couldn't have been not comparable to to trans folk and and other people who they hurt uh you know sexual assault survivors stuff like that who's like they were so dismissive of that it's still to this day makes me very angry um but i was still disappointed and so like i went through that game and the fucking most the most frustrating thing is 
he and I had really good chemistry, right? Like he and I played off of each other super well because I grew up reading his shit. So of course we did, right? Like right. in the same way that like Vinny and I have really good chemistry because I watched a billion giant bomb videos. Like I knew exactly how to play off that dude. And so we had a really good rapport. And then at the end, it was like this sort of like, okay, now what? And like nothing. Like I'm going to go back to work. Now what? Like that's what happens. And then it happened again a couple of months ago where we ended up in the same game again. And it was like, okay, like we're going to do it again. And we're again going to have a really good time. But I'm in this weird position where I don't, I don't, it's not my place to squash that beef because otherwise it feels like I'm throwing away a value that I have in exchange for professional gain. And like, I don't need it right now. Like I, I'm doing all right. Like five years ago, maybe that would have been a very tempting thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like I feel like I have to like hold that grudge a little. Not even, not even a grudge. Like I hope that dude has a happy life. I hope he has. You know, I hope his kids are great. I'll play games with him. But like I, I there's a point at which I have to feel like I draw a line somewhere. Um, and I, I don't know what the way forward there looks like. There's some weird small part of me, Patrick, that's like. Just put me in a room with him, and I can I can like show him the error of his past ways. <laughs> I, he's the chosen one, you know. Like I can save him, uh, and uh, that's silly, and it's like childish. And instead, it's just like I have to live the best life I can. Uh, and I think that for a lot of people who have that that thing with packs, I, I think like come to terms with it internally. Talk to your friends who are sexual assault survivors, who are trans folk, and like see what their opinion is on this, but not in a way that, that don't ask them for permission. Like don't ask them for, for forgiveness in advance. Do you know what I mean? Like really like ask them about what they think about those dudes and where they're at. And then, and then do the balance yourself, do that calculation to yourself and see what you're comfortable with. Um, and I think like you said, Patrick, like to some degree, really hold yourself accountable uh, really work through what your personal feelings are on, on that situation and other similar ones. Like, I don't know. There is no ethical consumption or capitalism. There are lots of every day we do things that hurt people every day nonstop. And that's not an excuse to do whatever you want. It's um, for me, it's a call to action to find places in which you can prioritize and take action in places that will at least have some effect. Uh, where can you make the biggest impact? Where can your your presence or your absence really communicate something? Um and like in your personal life and your professional life, what are the things you can do to help uh, the communities that you care about, right? Which is like, for me as an editor, I've always wanted to try to raise marginalized voices uh, from groups that I'm not part of, right? Like obviously every time I write something, that's a black dude in America writing something, you know, for a wide audience. But I do my best to bring in, you know, queer writers, trans writers, to bring in uh, people from from other racial minorities, to, to raise the voice of women in America and like to help people in this community uh, who don't otherwise have platforms. That's me doing my best to be an active participant um, so that when I have to be this shitty passive person who winds up at a PAX, like I at least feel like I'm doing something to help the communities and not just kind of like grinning and bearing it and saying, oh yeah, I guess I fucked up again. Like, so, so maybe find something. If you do find yourself going to PAX, find something in which it doesn't even out. It's not like a one-to-one thing, but find something where you can at least say, here are ways in which I'm specifically helping communities also. That was a long spiel. I didn't mean to go all off off the rails <laughs> like that, but kind of get it all out sometimes, Patrick. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a really good question. That's uh, that's a great question. To, Thank you so much. I also think it's uh, been uh, long enough that some people might not even be aware any of that stuff 
happens. Yeah, those, those yeah. guys have kind of stayed uh, off the radar. Um, yeah, I mean, they still do like the Omegathon. They're still they still like host the keynote, right? Like, but I mean, still sort part of, like, of that so, event. Like, so, like they used to be. I, fe- I felt like Paniarca used to be more part of the social consciousness. Yeah, and, like yeah. They, what what they said resonated on a day to day basis, yeah. and what they thought about games meant a lot, and that just doesn't seem to be the the case that that might I, honestly that might be part of the reason people don't think about it as that's much actually or, a good point or hold yeah. themselves to account uh about the hypocrisy because in some ways it's like like who gives a fuck about penny arcade anymore <laughs> like like and i don't right. i don't mean that right. to be like extraordinarily dismissive, dismissive. i just i just no, mean but it's it's not the cultural touchstone that it used to be that it used to be right which is strange like it's it, i mean it's just so strange to me that like i was in high school reading that comic and i know there are people who are still in high school who read that comic sure. right like their forums are still super active those those conventions are still filled with people who like to get pa merch you know and swag and all of that but it's like I think that comic specifically makes me think a lot about games culture on a timeline in a way that other things can't because it's been those two dudes for decades now. And that's wild, you know, or 15 years, 20 years. Like, I don't know how old that comic is at this point, but it's getting there. It's getting to be old the way like comics get old. Mm -hmm. And that's games, man. We're, we're living the life and it's, it's weird to be part of it at this point, given that like, I think you and I can both think so so clearly of a time when we were both very young and just itching to be part of it uh, and looking at things like Penny Arcade as like, wow, people who, who go in through non-traditional routes can can have some impact in this in this community. So it's weird. I think that's going to do it for us, Patrick. Uh, if you're listening and you want your question to get to get read, you can send it in to gamingadvice.com. Use the subject question in the in the title or question bucket or questions. Those questions in there it should it should show up. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick? <laughs> this was a nice short fifty-five minute podcast. <laughs> yeah, we fucking we sure did the thing. You're- <laughs> Your wife isn't waiting for you to go pick her up at like a train station, right? No, you already she did is that? not. I, 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 okay. I would have, I would have stopped. I would have stopped. Okay, good. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at, at Patrick Kleppen. And uh, you find everything we do at twitter.com/waypoint, at facebook.com/waypointvice. Come to the site at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, visit us on YouTube at youtube.com/waypointvice, and come to our our PAX panel. Uh, one more time, when and where is that, Patrick? Uh, Saturday, six p.m. Sphinx Theater. Sphinx Theater, come check it out. We'll be there. We'd love to meet you all afterwards. Doring, we'll shake some hands and answer some questions. We still, Patrick, we should have a meeting about what that panel looks like. Yeah, we'll we think about that. it. We'll think about it. Uh, shout out to Bowen for letting us use his track "Miss You" off the EP "Payout Machine." You can find out more info about that at waypoint.zone/boen. Uh, Friday, I don't know what we're gonna do for a podcast on Friday, Patrick. Right, well, I think uh, we're gonna see if uh, if we can't get something official from PAX, if we can't like bring a nice recorder and get some yeah, and maybe do of, some um, uh, of that podcast we record on Saturday. Um, if not, and then maybe turn that around for the weekend. I don't know. Maybe we'll get together. To, you know, we'll have gone on Friday. Maybe we'll we'll t- you know do ten minutes from the show floor while we're yeah or something. We'll figure something. I'm gonna bring having dinner and stuff like that. So I'm gonna bring a decent recorder. So maybe we'll just be able to find a hallway and, yeah. and knock something out at least. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll be back later this week. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.